One of the amazing things about running is how powerful it can make us feel. As we train to get stronger and faster, we not only build our muscles, but our confidence as well. But even the most confident among us felt fear creep in when the news of the kidnapping and murder of Eliza Fletcher made headlines this fall. Running alone hasn't suddenly become more dangerous since then, but it has become more scary. When I heard about the story and saw runners posting about it online, I stayed silent. I didn't want to add my voice to the conversation because I was mostly just angry. I was angry that one man could steal the life of Liza and rob the confidence of so many others. I didn't want to post about safety tips when running alone because Liza wasn't being unsafe. She wasn't killed because she was doing something wrong. But what I do want to do is take our power and our confidence back. We can't control the predators in our world, but there are ways that we can run with less fear and more confidence no matter what time of day. And I don't think it's too dramatic to say that what you are about to hear could end up saving your life. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with a science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. On this episode, I've brought on someone who was not afraid to use her voice in response to this tragedy, Whitney Hines from The Mother Runners. You'll learn key safety tips that you should use on every run, what you should do if you are threatened on the run, and how to get the skills you need to fight back. Whitney is a sub-three marathoner, run coach, and creator of The Mother Runners, an acclaimed blog all about the unique running experience we mother runners go through. Her work has been featured in Runner's World, The Huffington Post, Women's Running, U.S. News and World Report, and many more. She is also the host of the Passionate Runner podcast and a regular contributor to Marathon Handbook and Runner Click. This is definitely a serious episode on a very heavy topic, but I think you'll find that Whitney is finding a way to change the narrative from fear to empowerment. And as always, be sure to listen all the way to the end for this week's Mental Strength Minute to fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. And now, here's my conversation with Whitney Hines. Welcome to the Planted Runner, Whitney. I am so honored. I've been listening to your um, latest episodes, and I'm just really honored to be on here with you, Claire. 
Well, thank you so much. It's been it's been a great transition. So I'm happy to be on my own, totally doing everything 100% me. So it's so it's great, and I'm really happy to have you on as a guest as well. I've wanted to talk with you for a while. I've followed your journey too. So it's great to finally virtually meet each other. So uh, today uh, I wanna talk about some kind of current events and things that have been happening. And, and right now it's fall and the days are getting shorter and most of us are gonna have to start running in the dark, especially if early morning is our only time to run. And that is starting to feel a little bit more scary these days, especially with the news of what happened with um, Eliza Fletcher a few weeks ago. You've spoken a lot about this topic online. I have not really been able to talk about it online. So this is what I wanted to talk about uh, with you today. So first of all, can you explain what happened for those um, who might not have heard the story? Yeah, Eliza Fletcher... Um 34 years old, mom of two, was doing her early morning run on a Friday morning. Um, she typically runs with, uh, ran with other people, about a group of four others. And I guess that morning she couldn't, she would run before work. She was um, a pre-K teacher, I believe. And she was running on a main road um, near the University of Memphis. And, uh, what you know, a road she's run probably thousands of times. And a man... Um, in a van or in a truck, I'm sorry, SUV, saw her. Um, I think he kind of swung around and parked and waited for her to run past and attacked her and put her in his car. And um, her body was found a few days later. Mm. Um, so she was running, I think it was around 4.15, 4.30 in the morning, which, you know, a lot of non-runners don't understand, but um, as runners and especially moms, you know, moms in particular know this and working moms, like that is the only window that we have to run. So running, you know, hours before the sun comes up is not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, what happened to Liza is actually extremely, extremely rare, but it got a whole lot of attention and that, you know, running didn't suddenly become more dangerous, but it became being afraid to run by ourselves in the dark suddenly became, you know, front of mind, would you say? Yeah. And I mean, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the other side of the state. And a couple days later, um, an attempt of something similar happened where a woman was running 730 in the morning on the pedestrian mall area of downtown Knoxville. Lots of cute restaurants, boutiques, lots of people around. She was attacked. Um, a, they attempted rape, but people saw and stopped it. So um you know, it's it's not un it's not common, but it's still a threat. And obviously, I feel like when something like this happens, then I don't know what happens. Bad guys get the idea in their head, and they're like, "Oh, maybe I can try this too." It just seems like when this happens, there's more prevalence of it. Um, and then you know, on the runner side, there's just obviously we have heightened awareness, and then that kind of um, wanes until something else happens again. And then we realize, Hey, wait, we, we do need to take extra precautions to, to protect ourselves. 
Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about a lot of those extra precautions in just a minute. I think the reason that I felt really uncomfortable voicing what I had to say, because my immediate thought was, of course, sadness. This is a horrible tragedy. But then anger, you know, anger that somebody would take away not just this young mother's life, but, you know, that is what we do. We go and we run. We do this for our physical health. We do this for our mental health. We do it for a sense of accomplishment. And this person completely has terrorized a generation of runners, you know, with what he did to this particular person. And we could talk about safety and we are going to talk about safety. I think that's very important, but I don't think Liza was being unsafe, you know, and that's that's the hard part, you know, for me at least. Yeah, I think that's kind of I posted about it on Instagram and Facebook and particularly on Facebook. People left messages that um, I deleted or thought about deleting, kind of blaming her like, well, why was she running? Why was she running in a sports bra? Well, because it's Memphis and it's early September and it's hot. You know, why was she running at those hours? Because that was the only time that she could train um, and go after her goals. I heard that she was training for the St. Jude Marathon. Um, You know, why was she running alone? Why was she running in Memphis? Well, because she lives in Memphis and she was running alone because she is a mom and it's really hard to make our schedules line up. And sometimes you have to run alone in the morning. Um, And so the judgment that really, um, that just really made me mad because she's out there trying to do what's best for her to be her best self for her family so she doesn't have to lean on other people um, so she can be with her kids when she gets home from work and so yeah that that in particular made me mad obviously on top of the fact that it we feel like we have to go take all these extra steps to, because we feel unsafe when we're trying to do this thing that makes us better Yeah, exactly. You know, not running is actually a lot more dangerous than going for a run in the dark. You know, uh, all the all the things, all the diseases that, you know, people get from not exercising are far more dangerous. Driving in your car is far more dangerous. You know, all of these things that we do without even thinking about it. And, you know, this poor woman gets attacked literally and figuratively for doing something that is actually so good for you. That's right. that's the part that just infuriates me so much. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So, okay. So we know that she was carrying her phone with her. They found it at the, you know, after this happened. Um, carrying your phone can be, you know, a good safety device. You can call somebody, but obviously it's, it's you know, not foolproof as we, you know, see. So um, you had some great tips that you posted that can give us a little reassurance that can um, potentially help us in a situation. Do you want to go over a few of those with us? Yeah, I mean, um, I I highly recommend carrying your phone and having it easy to get to. I know a lot of sports bras, like they have it in the back and I I don't know. I find it not easy to access your phone and pull it out and use it if you need it. But I think running with your phone or any, there's a bunch of devices out there that can sound an alarm, like Run Angel, that um, can call your loved ones if you need help. If you run with your Garmin, for example, Um, there's live tracking so your loved ones can track you, but there's also you can send uh, if you have your phone with you, there's they do have a watch model where you don't have to carry your phone, 
but um, most of them you have to have your phone with you so that you can um, contact your loved ones if you need help or um, emergency services. Um, something that I did not realize, and I think they may have changed it now, but Strava defaults to public. So if you have right. a Strava account, you need to go in there and check your privacy controls because if you don't, I think they went in after the Liza, after Liza Fletcher's death and changed it so that they automatically hide your start and end position by like a eighth of a mile. Um, but you can completely hide your map, but go in there and make sure people can't see where you're starting and stopping because chances are it's from your house and a stranger, a predator can see where you live. Right. Uh, and especially if you have your run set so that not only followers see you, but everybody can see you. And if you do go in and change your controls, you have to look and um, edit past activities as well, because it doesn't automatically do that. Mm. And I would say, um, you know, a lot of people say, hey, well, Liza, you know, she had her phone and it didn't help her. And that's true. And that's why I think the best thing you can do is take self-defense classes. You can I mean, if you run with something like a blade or a defender ring or pepper spray, the chances of you knowing how to use that when you're attacked and your fight, flight or freeze and most people freeze is um, slim to none. And so I think taking self-defense classes, no time is better than the present, making sure that it's really like muscle memory, you know what to do if you're attacked from all different positions is really the best thing you can do to keep yourself safe. And that's for me personally, it was always on a bucket list and I've talked about it for the longest time. Um, and now I'm finally doing it and I'm finally yeah. taking a self-defense class every week. I have my mom taking it with me, a couple of my mother runner friends, um, because it's not even just like when you're running. Unfortunately, it's like if you're leaving Target with your kids and somebody comes up to you and just knowing how to create pain in somebody so that you can run away is I mean, it's it's vital. Yeah, absolutely. I, I took a self-defense class with some runner friends of mine a few years ago, and it was really helpful, but I haven't done that. You know, I did the one class and I'm like, yay, I'm good. And it's not really like that. You know, I need to probably do it again. So you took one recently. Tell us, tell us what you're learning. Any tips? Yeah. So I arranged um, for, there's a local Krav Maga gym here in Knoxville. And so I asked them to do a free class and a hundred women showed up. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it became very apparent to me when I took that class that this is something that I need to practice. And so I realized that one class is not enough. So I signed up for a series of classes that I'm doing for the next few months. Um, because a lot of runners <laughs> are not super coordinated. Um, <laughs> that's why they choose running, right? Okay. Maybe right. I'm just talking about myself, but it does require some coordination. Like you have to, okay, I need to put my dominant leg behind me. I need to mm -hmm. twist at the hip. I need to go at a 45 degree angle. I mean, there's all these tricks that you need to learn to be more effective. Uh, and you need to learn several different, if they come up from behind, if they, tackle you from the side, if they're grabbing onto your ponytail or choking you or grabbing your wrist, like these are all moves that you, they're all moves that you need to learn to get out of those types of holds or out of those types of attacks. A lot of it is counterintuitive. And so, um, it's been, it's, I am gradually become feeling more empowered, but at the same time, I am feeling like, wow, I have been a walking target because I, 
these are not moves that would come naturally to me at all. Right. Right. So, um, it's been very eye opening and I'm so glad I'm doing it. I'm so glad my mom is taking these classes too. And my friends are because a lot of runners think, Hey, well, I'll, I can just outrun them. I mean, I had a couple guys like grab me once when I was running downtown and I was able to outrun them, but I think they were drunk. They weren't like, they were just dr- a bunch of drunk guys. Um, but we think, Hey, we can outrun them, but not mm-hmm. necessarily, especially if they're on something. Um, mm. we can't, we can't bank on our endurance or our speed to outrun an attacker. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one interesting thing that I learned through that class is, is the power of leverage. You know, we think, especially as women, most of the time we are smaller than our attacker. We are tiny, you know, little runners mm-hmm. who don't do enough strength training. <laughs> So, you know, we are just like, how on earth can I outpower some 200 pound plus dude? And, and it's about leverage, you know, Mm -hmm. the power of using your body in a really unique way that, like you said, it's counterintuitive. You don't think about moving towards your attacker in a certain way. You think about getting the hell away from him. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, totally. And yeah. And a lot of it is twisting your body in a way so that you create space so that mm. you can get away or yes, like you said, like if somebody comes and um, bear hugs you from behind, you drop down low. And so that way mm. it's harder for them to lift you up. I mean, it's just little tricks like that. And um, the the self-defense class that I'm taking is rooted in Krav Maga. And so it is it's a, a great equalizer. It's not based on strength or size. The moves that the, you te- they teach you um, can help anybody, no matter how how big or small you are. So, um, it, it's been pretty cool in that just in the past couple weeks that we've been taking the class, like the first class, we were all kind of timid, you know, it's mm-hmm. just doesn't come natural. I think to a lot of women to be aggressive. And even if the guy's like, Hey, hit me as hard as you can, we're still like, Oh, I don't want to hurt you or just right. kind of, you know, tapping into that. And already in a couple of classes, I have seen, um, women come out of their shells, myself included and, and be more aggressive. Um, and I think that also will come in handy. Like if you feel like somebody is invading your space and you're trying to be polite and you don't want to cross the line. Um, I think it will give us the push that we need to trust our gut and this person is a threat. And so we need to make sure that they know that we're something that they're going to have to deal with. We're not going to go down without a fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously people that want to attack women or men, I mean, it's not specifically women, but it's, you know, we're more likely Mm -hmm. to be the target. Obviously these people are out there. They're not going away. Nothing we do is going to change their motivation to be bad people. Right. But the things that they are doing instill fear in us. And what what we want to do is find something that lessens the fear and find something that empowers us so that we can go running and feel better, but the risks are not changing. Right. Right. Yeah. So I just think what, what people do who attack other people like this is they are, they're spreading fear to all of us. And the only way to counteract it is to do something ourselves, even though it's not our problem. You know, that's, that's what I struggle with so much, you know? Like we yeah. we're putting it on ourselves that we have to do something when it's actually 
they're the bad ones, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yes. And I've seen a lot of comments about that um, on Instagram where, well, hey, how about we just have create a world in which men aren't attacking women? And it's like, well, that would be great, but you can't control other people. And so the only thing you can control is yourself. And I mean, who wouldn't want to be stronger and be and, and really like the kicker for me or the clencher, I should say, was when I learned that. Um, so I live in Knoxville and it's where a bunch of like Interstate 40 and Interstate 75 converge. And so we are a spot that is hot for human trafficking. And when mm. I heard that, especially women, um, mothers and daughters are targets, that's when I was like, OK, I have to take this class because if I am walking somewhere and I have my kids with me, um, I'm not, I can't protect them and I want to be able to protect them. And I, and it's not just about myself anymore. And that, that terrified me. Um, and, and was the push that I needed to empower myself to be stronger. And I look forward to, um, my daughter, Eleanor taking classes and my son, Cal with me. Um, they've taken a couple already, but, um, just to really ingrain it, but we can't control other people, but we, we can control, you know, how we are. Um, we can make sure that we're not, I mean, there are things that we can do in addition to taking self-defense that are simple to make ourselves not targets, which is don't be on your phone. Don't be listening to your music so loud that you can't hear and around mm-hmm. you. And that's me. I mean, I love running to music and me I, too. <laughs> that was like, I mean, that was, it's hard. I run with one earbud in now. Um, and I, I don't enjoy it as much, but you know, I'm like, I have to be aware of my surroundings. I have to know. I mean, even just if there's cars, obviously I've always have one out, but, um, it, you know, just I think the biggest thing is making sure that you are aware of your surroundings and you're not completely like invested in your phone when you're walking around or running. Yeah, uh, good point. Good point. So you mentioned something earlier about that there's a device that that will sound an audible alarm. What w- what was that? That one's called the birdie. Okay, so it's like a bracelet and, or what? Um, I think there are bracelets, but the birdie is a handheld device and it's got like a pin at the top and you just pull it out and it's a super loud alarm. Um, but there's several different, there's a lot I've learned now, a lot of self-defense items in this class. Um, they said that the best thing you can carry is a, forget what he called it, but it's like a, a, just a little like pocket knife type blade thing. And okay. they said that that's the best thing. I ha- I run with um, something called a Defender Ring, which has um, the one that I wear is rose gold and it has a rose at the top and you just unscrew the rose off. And then it has a very sharp blade and I wear it on my pinky um, and I've actually accidentally cut myself with it, Uh-oh. but I wear it on my pinky. And um, so if somebody were to come at me, I have practiced that I would do my my eye strike and then I would hammer fist them with the hand that it has the ring on it in the face. Mm-hmm. And that way it injures them, but it also collects DNA. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Cause yes. some of these things I have wondered about whether, you know, they can be used against us or, you know, like pepper spray. You, if right. you don't know how to use pepper spray, you can spray it in your own eyes, you know, which causes a problem. Or if you, you know, I've heard people say, why don't you bring a gun when you go running. I mean, all of these things that people say, and I'm just like, what? I don't want to arm myself like that. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't even like, even in, when it's 95 degrees outside, I don't like to run with water and <laughs> just like right. to carry things. I like to have my hands free. Um, yeah, I have a neighbor who keeps telling me I need to run with a small pistol. I'm like, eh. Yeah. That's just not going to work for me, but yeah, no. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, whatever you do carry, like you said, make sure that you know how to use it. You've practiced it many, many times. Cause you know, if you're wearing a, a knife on your ring and you can't get the rose off in time, that's not going to do you any good either. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I take it off before I go running and now, um, I, I send a text to my husband so he knows where I'm going. Um, and if it's dark outside, I make sure I stay in a safe area, even if it means running the same mile stretch over and over again. And then mm -hmm. I, something I haven't mentioned, which should be common sense is run with other people as many, as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just good advice socially. <laughs> Running, yeah, like, having some runner, runner friends is uh, absolutely transformative. So try to do that if you can. It and, totally is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that's kind of underrated that people don't think about so much is light yourself up like a Christmas tree, you know, that's good for cars seeing you, but it's also good to make yourself really, really conspicuous. If, if you are just blazing like a candle, you know, you're not an easy target if you're just, you know, inconspicuous with one little headlamp or whatever. True. Yeah. I have had some people say that they like to run um, completely dark because then they think people can't see them. Mm. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see that argument. But yeah, I agree with you being lit up. Well, and especially for cars um, to yeah, be able to sure. see you. But running with people as much as you can is is the best, I would say, is the number one thing you can do to keep yourself safe. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I don't know if you have, but I have not heard of an instance where a runner is attacked when they were part of a group. No, I haven't. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe it has happened. I haven't specifically heard it. But, you know, a lot of this stuff does get underreported, too. You know, mm -hmm. Liza was, um, you know a rich white young mom and it's that's something that we uh, the media culture likes to focus on there's definitely been stories of people who did not look like her that have been attacked mm -hmm. you know and yeah. those those don't get as much press um for lots of reasons so <laughs> you know it's sad yeah. it yeah. is really sad yeah i mean i know carolyn sue at diverse we run has shed light on a lot of um unfortunately several you know a lot of runners in the past that um were people of color where a lot of people didn't hear about their cases um mm -hmm. i learned about liza initially um because actually liza and i had messaged each other on instagram before and i knew kind of some of her friends and um, one of her friends reached out to me Saturday morning saying, hey, can you, she's missing. Can you share this Ugh. information? Um, and I think for a lot of mom runners, we could easily put ourselves in her. We knew the backstory of what she was doing that morning. We could very easily put ourselves in her place that, you know, this is getting the cup of coffee, you know, gradually waking up, putting laying out the clothes the night before so we don't wake up our kids and our spouse like we could very much picture us doing the same thing and so i think um for many people myself included that's why it hits so close to home because that's mm -hmm. something that i regularly do yeah 
Yeah. What can we do as a running community to stand up to acts of violence like this? I mean, we, we're not going to stop running. I hope, I hope people aren't going to stop running because of this. I think, um, I think there are a couple of things. One, if you know a friend who is practicing something unsafe, like they are running alone in the dark with headphones on, speak up and tell them that that is unsafe and try to empower them, uh, reach out to them about running together or uh, seeing or giving them a personal safety device. Um, I gave a ring to a friend that I know runs alone a lot earlier this week, a defender ring. Um, and I think that's a big thing is if you see someone, don't, don't just be quiet and polite, but say, Hey, you know, that that's not actually a smart way to run. And I think when we talk to our male runners or male counterparts, making sure that they're doing their part as well. Um, I know in the days following Liza Fletcher, I had, a, I saw a lot of men who were out there who made eye contact with me when I was running, gave me big hellos. Um, my husband was out running actually and saw this car kind of cruising behind two college girls running kind of a sketchy looking car. And he stayed with them until the car, like it turned around and stopped. And then he, they saw him coming and he left mm. or the car left like, you know, be vigilant of fellow runners and, and do what you can to keep them safe. And I really think taking self-defense classes is a must. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, again, not just, not just as a runner, but just unfortunately in this world we live in, I think it's, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And they're kind of fun for sure. <laughs> they are fun. Yeah. yeah. My friend, one of my friends I was doing it with, she was like, I didn't think I, like, I kind of had to t really talk her into it. Um, and, but she's like, I, I kind of really am looking forward to it now. And it's like when you hit the bag or like the pad <laughs> that they hold, like it's very, um, I don't know. It's just like very satisfying to like feel the power and then it makes a good satisfying sound when you hit it. So yeah, yeah it's, it is actually kind of fun and yeah. it, you know, you could make the argument that it counts as strength training. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Cause you know, obviously no one wants these tragedies to ever happen again because we feel scared. We feel helpless. We feel like, oh my God, this is a scary thing that I'm doing, but there are ways to turn that fear into empowerment, you know, mm -hmm. with education and practice. And, you know, if you, if you absolutely have to run in the dark, if that's your only time to run, you know, there are ways to make it less, less scary. And, you know, the number one thing is reach out to your community, find some running buddies. If you live in any decent sized town, there are people just like you, I promise you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I encourage people to reach out to their local track club. If your town doesn't have a track club, go to the local running store. It's pretty easy to find running buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, and, or if you have a friend who's on the fence, you can convert them into a runner, go for it. Yeah. You know, absolutely. They're, they're, those are some positives that can come out of it. And you know, I used to run alone all the time. I'm introverted. I, I really enjoy that time alone, but, um, 
my whole world has opened up since I started running with other people, including when I, you know, that's how I got the idea to found my business. The mother runners was when I started running with other moms and realizing like, Hey, they're in the same boat as me with all these parenting challenges and so forth. So, um, it's, it's a great way to push yourself out of your box and broaden your horizons and form friendships. Cause I, I really think that like, your running friends are probably your closest friends because you share everything on the run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a lot better than just millions of miles on the treadmill, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I mean, the treadmill is a beautiful tool. Yes, it is. But you know, when you can get outside, do it. Awesome. I think that's a perfect place to wrap this up. So where can listeners find you, Whitney? They can find me at The Mother Runners on Instagram, and my website is themotherrunners.com. Perfect. Well, we'll have all of that in our show notes. Most people are on the run right now listening to this. So hopefully everybody feels a little bit more empowered, can find some runners in their community, and sign up for some self-defense classes. Thanks so much for being on the show, Whitney. Thank you, Claire. It was fun. Be sure to follow Whitney on The Mother Runners with an S on Instagram and themotherrunners.com. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is relaxed fast. It can seem like a paradox, but the best way to run your fastest is to relax. When we're concentrating on something challenging like fast running, what we tend to do is tense up. We might clench our fists, our faces, or our abs, all in an effort to squeeze every last drop out of our performance. This is actually counterproductive. It wastes energy that can be used to run fast. No one runs faster with a grimace on their face or with literal white knuckles from a death grip. We run faster when we find a way to let the effort flow without wasting energy. So when you find yourself tensing up, try using relaxed fast as a mantra. Relax your face and focus on running smooth, not tense. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast. The ability for me to make this show absolutely depends on the number of listens, downloads, reviews on Apple Podcasts and ratings on Spotify. So if you've already reviewed, thank you. If not, please take a moment after your run today to give it five stars. I also want to mention that you can get my free ultimate fueling guide for runners when you sign up for my weekly updates, where I share stories and tips that I don't share anywhere else. Join us today at theplantedrunner.com slash join. Have a great run today. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.